0: Hi friends, welcome to Deep Dive, my brand new podcast born from a desire for critical thought, vulnerability, and awareness. I'm your host, Dana Falsetti, a thinker, a writer, a yoga teacher, an activist, an authenticity agent. Each month you'll hear from me and my guests ranging from iconic disruptors to everyday people, all candidly sharing our personal experiences on topics ranging from sexuality to social justice and consciousness to capitalism. Deep Dive is a space to tackle hard-hitting questions and controversial topics in a raw, empathetic, and curious way. And it's my space to rant and ramble freely, no holding back. Let's dive in. I have Diane Bondi with me today. Hi, Diane. Hey, Dana. How's it going? It's it's going well, actually. It's going much better than... The last time we spoke, oh my no. <laughs> There's I know. been like a whole evolution <laughs> since then <laughs> in my personal world. Uh, but what's new with you?
1: Uh, I'm done traveling for the summer, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, I'm home nice. with my kids for the summer. I just finished. Uh, doing a workshop in Kentucky for this great organization called Create Karma. And they're out there um, doing accessible trainings around the United States. So I thought that was cool. And uh, now I just get to be a mom with kids who have multi-sports this summer. So I'll be sitting Mm. on basketball courts and on soccer fields throughout Windsor-Essex County. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome that you... Take
0: the time (laughs) to be off and not to travel and to spend time with your family and to be able to maintain some kind of balance in that sphere because I know how challenging it is when you are traveling all the time and you're online and there's so much interaction.
1: There is, and it gets to be, it can be exhausting, so I think it's important every now and again to have, like, social social media purge days where you're just not constantly interacting with everybody all the time because that takes a lot of time and energy, and what's really good for me is my kids and my family keep me super grounded, so mm-hmm. I need to come back to my center, and there, there's certainly that for me, so I'm yeah. happy to be home and just be driving people to soccer practices and basketball practices and making dinner uh-huh. It seems like a nice break. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, and I'm sure I I'm, I mean, I know you can relate, but,
0: um, you know, I often feel like I need not even just those breaks from the social media world, but those breaks from just sort of the wellness, the yoga and wellness world. And just so much of what I see like in those spaces starts to get yep. so tiring. And I, I I'm always so happy to talk to you or to talk to anybody who is Um sort of on the other side of yeah. the, that whole conversation because I really do kind of feel like there are almost two different like two completely different approaches to those spaces and yes. it is like it, I mean it's just I mean you've been in it so much longer that I've it's been four or five years for me and I'm like I'm so tired yeah oh yeah oh yeah
1: um I've been teaching yoga um <laughs> for about 30 years and I've been practicing for um, 45 years. So I find that you do have to take a break from that whole wellness um, community and maybe sometimes step back from your practice a little bit. And I I, I find what's really important to keep me grounded is to have friends that don't do yoga and are not in the wellness community. So it gives you, I think, a more balanced perspective of the world because I find sometimes I get caught up in my bubble of – I only hang out with social activists. I only hang out with people who do yoga. And and then I get this really um, narrow view of the world. And then I'll go out with my girlfriend who has no interest in any of these things. I'm like, oh, how refreshing. You don't have an opinion on any of this stuff. So it's, mm. <laughs> it's a nice break in my life. Yeah, that is super nice. Because I mean, and
0: it and it's just hard to navigate. I mean, there's so much noise and there's so many different voices. And when you feel really strongly and passionately about what you are doing and believe in that and there's so much that you feel like you're combating and trying to put that message out there it really does get tiring it's so necessary to take a break and you're right and I'm I kind of have the same situation in my life where my friends and family are not yoga or wellness people which is nice because it does let (laughs) me have that just like different different mindset to be in because I get myself like I get myself like I'm so anxious today and I I can't even quite pinpoint why I feel anxious, but it's just Mm -hmm. this sort of like, it's this turbulence, you know, and it just gets, Mm -hmm. you feel it even more the more you are online and the more you do follow activism and you are active and,
1: oh. (laughs) I'm always grateful for those people out in the world who are marching and, uh, you know, doing conferences. I just finished watching uh, Christy Teigen uh, speak at, um, at some rally, I don't know, I think it might have been in Los Angeles, where they were pushing back against the concentration camps that uh, the current administration in the United States have set up for immigrants. Yeah. And she's up there holding her baby and talking about how important it is to keep families together. And you can get caught up in all of that. Like everything that's going on in the world right now feels really heavy. And as a woman of color, I feel like always on edge and a little bit scared as to what's going on in the world because all these things are coming up. But I also tell myself that we needed all this stuff to come to the surface in order to clear it once and for all. Because we we never really address it fully. And I hope that this means we have to address it fully.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Well, and it's also just I mean, yeah, there's endless unpacking to do. And I was having a conversation with someone on on the last pod episode about this and about the the need to be able to feel safe in your body Mm -hmm. and how much um, that has been overlooked in Mm -hmm. especially like yoga and wellness spaces and body positivity and places that you think would be. Uh, Focusing and reaffirming that are really just sort of upholding capitalism and white supremacy and patriarchy (laughs) and like (laughs) all of the systems that just you know and it's it's like and it's white people you know know, it's just like white people uh, Mm co-opting everything and finding ways to profit off of and uh, like I'm always looking at what I'm doing and trying to constantly unpack this because you know the, the awareness is not enough there has to be action after that. Um, but it's like, it does, it gets overwhelming when you feel like those voices are dominating these spaces. And Mm -hmm. I just like, I want more of what you're doing. (laughs) I want more of like what (laughs) yoga international and yoga body image and, and, and accessible yoga. And I just wish, (laughs) I just wish people cared as much about the things that aren't flashy, the things that aren't
1: performative, you know? (laughs) I I agree. And it's so hard. It's really hard for me to see how much uh, we invest in the idea of yoga or the commodity that yoga has become, how much money we spend on uh, pants and magazines and um, for lack of a better word, cleansing diets and things like that, Mm -hmm. that we think are yoga uh, uh, related or yoga adjacent and how little... Time and money and effort we spend on creating accessible spaces and training uh, teachers to work with communities who are underserved. Like it, it just it it, the first I guess the first rule of yoga it is the first rule of yoga is ahimsa and do no harm. Mm-hmm. And I think all this other noise is very harmful to the actual practice of yoga. That we're not building communities. That we're building these idealized ideas. Right these images of what yoga should look like. And I'm grateful for things like social media. I'm grateful for uh, social, having the opportunity to put my own pictures up as you have on social media to kind of combat the constant narrative of perfection and beauty and um, <laughs> white supremacy, which mm-hmm. is underlying in everything. And mm-hmm. even the most woke I, I, people who think they're the most woke people or people who think they're paying attention still sometimes slip and participate mm-hmm. in, um, in the oppression of others, even when they're being well-meaning. So having, real conversations and have everything come to the surface I think is really important and I'm I'm kind of not into the flashy like if I mm-hmm. go somewhere and somebody happens to think I'm a yoga celebrity I really try to um, unpack that for them and say it, it's great but I don't think we should have yoga celebrities in yoga because I think it detracts from the real work of yoga so I'm a yoga mm-hmm. teacher just like you're a yoga teacher and uh, let's just let's just focus on how do we make this practice more accessible and I may have a little bit of notoriety variety online, but I I just, it's there so I can help, I hope, push the message and push my agenda, which is accessibility, equity, inclusion, and um, empowerment for all.
0: And you would hope, I mean, you would hope that that's what it would be. <laughs> you would yep. hope that that's what people were trying to perpetuate. And as you're talking, I'm nodding my head being like, yes, like I teach because I want to be supportive of other people. I teach because I believe that There is something here that can be supportive in your life that you can tap into through this practice. Whereas I see so much where the support is just the self. The support is like, how can I make money off of this? And how can I like how can I bring diet culture (laughs) into this perhaps without realizing it? Because so many people are just in that and sort of stuck in that themselves. But the amount of like just the amount of diet culture that I see insidiously making its way through every little facet of the yoga world. It just is so daunting to me. Um, And I know you understand, again, just like as a fat yoga teacher, trying to not only like make my own practice and make my own approach more accessible, but also constantly navigating that myself and my body. And then seeing all of this diet cultural shit all the time, you know, like yoga for abs and yoga for weight loss and like yoga pages that promote detoxes and you know the cleanses and it's
1: like what are we doing (laughs) oh my gosh yoga you know diet culture is so powerful and I think you know when I think back to my first kind of um indoctrination into diet culture was watching, you know, my mother constantly trying to lose weight as a kid and my dad going to the gym and constantly talking about working out. And it's amazing how quickly it just becomes normalized in our psyche that sometimes we are unknowingly participating in it, right? Like I went out with a friend of mine who's an eating disorders counselor and we went out uh, to a Lebanese restaurant and I went up to the cooler to pick out my drink and I picked out a ginger ale and she picked out a water and I said, oh, of course you made the healthy choice and she stopped me right away, right? Like, I mean, I've been doing Mm. this work forever and she stopped me right away. She goes, I didn't make a healthy choice. I simply made a choice and Mm. it's okay to have ginger ale and it's okay, you know, to 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 eat what you want, and I just was like, wow, like it, it just is so insidious that I just crept into my vernacular so easily. Yep. And I just saw a meme on Instagram today that said, "Any form of exercise or diet that has the intended outcome of weight loss is a diet." So, you know, and then how we've massaged the language around dieting because I think dieting has really become. Pun intended. Uh, a four-letter word for a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. fuck this diet, right? Um, but we are. We also have to be conscious that this is a learned behavior. Over the last, you know, I've only been on the planet for 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 50 almost 50 years. But it's been this learned idea over the last. You know, I want to say century, right? Yeah. Um, so it's going to be hard to undo. But I hate the fact that it's crept into this yoga space. Like there's got to be somewhere in the world where <laughs> I don't have to be bullied for being fat. And I really feel it's the yoga mat,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is. it's the it's the personal practice, and it's it's why i've I've retreated to that and and as you said at the beginning my my own practice i've has dialed back in so many ways but it's my it's my safe haven and it's like but it's almost so discouraging because i have times where i feel and i've expressed this before and other people are like i feel this so much um it almost makes it feel hard to practice sometimes um just for sure feeling so like you know it's almost like i'm reminded um in my own practice of all of these things that exist um that I don't want to be complicit in and that I I really just want nothing to do with. And in so many ways, it almost feels like it feels impossible. And it feels uh, even harder when you see uh, that message, the diet culture message, which tends to, you know, a lot of the things I see in yoga and wellness, because I think new wellness is just diet culture. It's just the new new word. Yeah. but I also yeah remarketed exactly but I also see it almost always intersect with the upholding of white supremacy with usually violence against marginalized folks of course on the other side of that and also mixed in with spiritual bypassing and also (laughs) like probably profiting off of those marginalized people at the same time
1: (laughs) oh yeah welcome to the shit show that is modern yoga culture and like America (laughs) <laughs> right. And then people are going to, yeah, for sure. And, and yoga with goats and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then people are going to get in their feelings about this. So I'm mm-hmm. sure you'll get some comments on the podcast about what we just said. But if you have a comment on this, maybe it's time for a little self-reflection on what we say. Why are you so bothered by this is our, this is our experience of the culture, right? This is our experience. And, um, it's so funny to me right now when every now and again across my social media feed I will see somebody who has had an aha moment and they've woken up to the fact that, oh my gosh, how has this practice become this? Yeah. And they'll write some big blurb or paragraph and they'll tag me in it. And I think to myself, I'm glad you figured <laughs> it out now, but we've been trying to dismantle this thing for the better part of 10 years. So yeah. <laughs> you're kind of new to the you're kind of late to the party, but yeah. I'm glad you made it to the party. Like yeah. I'm just glad you made it. But uh, we need more people to have those aha uh-huh moments. Like when you look around a yoga space and you only see people that look like you, you're like, hmm, right. what has happened here and how am I contributing and to that?
0: It? And that should be a glaring like red flag. Yep. <laughs> but we're so used to that. And wellness and yoga spaces are so privileged that yes. that is who you get. And then there is no conversation about these things. And it's like, who are you leaving out? And it's like yoga classes just get more and more expensive and retreats get more and more expensive. And it's like the people who can up their prices just keep upping their prices. And then, you know, there's just so many different ways that we just miss out on being able to actually uplift marginalized communities, which that's who I feel like needs the yoga, not, the, not necessarily everybody who is like so privileged where perhaps like, of course, there's always something to gain. And like, do we always have body image? and and confidence and self-love to work on as individuals for sure, but that's never going to come close to being to the same as the way society interacts with you. And that's where I see this just huge gap in conversation. And anytime you try to bring it up, spiritual bypass comes in. And oh, I yeah. saw you post this this on your page uh, earlier today or the other day, the the fighting hate, don't fight hate with hate, or just keep yep. the peace and love. And no, I mean, by, you're, you're silencing a very totally. real experience, and that's violent.
1: It is. You know what's a new thing that gets under my skin, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of flack for this, but I'm going to say it anyway, is this um, nonviolent conversation. So there's this whole um, thought or, or theory around nonviolent conversation. And when I look at the creators of this whole theory of nonviolent um, conversation, it's created by a privileged white dude to, ta- to police people about how they can talk about their feelings. Mm-hmm. So this nonviolent conversation is, I can't be honest about how I feel, that I have to keep the peace or I have to use this specific language when I'm really angry and have a right to be angry. So maybe I misinterpret what nonviolent communication means, but often I feel like that's just an excuse to silence people from having their true feelings. And the numbing of our true feelings is really problematic for me. Right? So we're always talking about be positive and look for the light in this. And I'm like, that's all well and good and great. But also, can we look at the truth, right? Like it—it's yoga asks us to look beyond what um, society tells us, right? It's asking us to lift the the veils that keep us from knowing the truth. And so, if we only subscribe to this idea that I always have to be positive and I always have to speak about my experiences in the positive, and I should meditate more and I should do more yoga, and if I wasn't so negative, these things wouldn't be happening. Um, Yeah, they would be happening because the world is set up a certain way. And sometimes when I'm a woman of color and I'm angry about seeing people who look like my children or my father or my brother get gunned down in the street with no recourse, no accountability by anybody, people get a paid vacation or they get hired by a different police force. I'm supposed to, you know, look for the positive in that, am I? Or am I not supposed to be angry about that? And it's not my anger doesn't come from hostility. My anger comes from passion, a passion to change the system and to use my yoga to change the the system. So I have a problem with the policing of how we are allowed to talk about our experiences. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much that um, meme that I put up on Instagram that this we don't we're not it's not from a hate, hateful place. And it's not from a place of hostility. It's from a place of passion. We're trying to stand up and go look at us. This is what's happening. You see it happening. Why aren't you saying anything? And why don't you care? Right? Well, and the other thing
0: that I think is funny is I see so much circulate about you know you're so deserve you're deserving of love and light yes. and you're you're so you know you are worthy and you are and and it's like I believe all of these like I believe these things but I just I'm now like as you're speaking I'm just connecting all of these there's so many dots and how first of all language is so powerful and that yes. is the language that gets perpetuated by wellness people and yoga people all the time where it's like okay I can love myself all I want and I can believe in my worth all I want but if you are still systemically killing me then yeah. that is not helpful it's not helping <laughs> <laughs> right yeah whereas not. people in the yeah. privileged position though like that might be enough and that's where it's like yeah. you have to be able to listen to and not just listen to but believe the experiences of other people
1: yeah yeah and and what what it all comes back to uh, being open to hearing something that is different than our own personal experience. Like, um, you know, I only learned the term gaslighting in the past three or four years. I think it was a relatively new term. And then when I sat back and was like dissecting this term of gaslighting and looking at my whole life in general, at, at places where I've been gaslit by everybody around me, and I thought to myself, wow, why is it we are so eager to shut down other people's experiences or to question other people's experiences, um, because it makes us feel uncomfortable about ourselves. That can't possibly be true. It's never happened to me, therefore, um, it can't possibly be true. And it's it's really interesting that people still have this mindset. Like I like I said, I live in a bubble. I, I my friends are activists. I belong to a community um, a yoga community that's pretty proactive in accessibility so I'm always running up against people who are already you know fully aware of this work and when I when I come face to face with somebody who's like out to lunch about this stuff I'm like how are you still walking around in the world Mm -hmm. and then I forget that most of the world feels this way that there's a small group of us who are actually paying attention and the majority of us are you know going about our lives and are paying no attention at all because we're so caught up in survival right we're just trying to get by, I can't be concerned with all this other stuff. I once heard a very mm. popular, very um, famous yoga teacher on a yoga, like in one of these yoga groups that I belong to say, "Um, how am I supposed to be like doing this, you know, um, social justice work? Doesn't, don't people just want to come and do a class with music? And I'm just like, really? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, she said that. And I mean, I, it was a teacher that I, that I had a lot of respect for. And in that moment, I was like, Oh, This is just all about you. This is a very privileged perspective to take for somebody who can take that perspective. And then, then, you know, I was like, okay, this is not somebody who I have anything in common with who can, who who felt really comfortable to say these things. And I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. um, we're not doing the same kind of work. So I'm going to step back from you. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's why I mean, it is about it's so much about aligning my the last episode I put out was about the the difference between sort of like the nonstop hustle that I think a lot yeah. of people fall into trying to be perfect. And also just like capitalism perpetuates that nonstop, like you need to be climbing the proverbial ladder all the time, versus like aligning consistently with people that you can work with and who are supportive of your work and your message. And that might and might often mean not feeding into things that fall into the hustle category which tend to feed capitalism and so that might mean putting yourself in some ways
1: not first yes yeah (laughs) It's, you know what's very interesting to me? Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Jivana Heyman, uh, yeah. last weekend. We were at the Accessible Yoga Conference. And we were talking about um, this feeling of scarcity within our industry, which is like part and parcel to the constant hustle that people feel they have to do. Or, you know, the selling out of your integrity because you have to feed your family. And it's just... Mm-hmm. Um, it's really kind of disappointing if if we could learn to to share with each other i think we wouldn't feel so, you know, feel, feel this constant hustle, but that's what we've been told, right? In a capitalist society, at the end of the day, it's who's got the most money in the bank that really matters. And we've also seen it in that, um, you know, people with money are getting to make all the decisions, like the minority is getting to make the decisions for the majority. And that's, that's a very scary place to be. And I just wish that we could open our eyes to the fact that when we're, when we're all doing well together, that we all get success, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that we don't have to operate from this place of scarcity. But as long as that goes on, there's always going to be kind of this backbiting and fighting Mm -hmm. and stealing of people's ideas and, you know, climbing on the backs of oppressed people in order to get ahead. Like that's, that's always going to happen. Yeah. And the most marginalized people have always been
0: taking the brute of all of that work of all of that labor. And, and it's, it's just so true. And I, I believe so strongly in what you're saying that if, if, I have resources to share. If we have resources to share, like why not share them? Like that's exactly what we all need to be doing. And that's exactly what is going to give power back to the majority and not be in the minority is for the people in the minority to be able to be more free with their, resources instead of feeling like what's mine is mine all the time and it's exactly what you said that that is so directly tied to that proverbial climbing of the ladder of capitalism of paving your own way and then like you keep everything you've got but like you can't deny the history that that is founded on and like how are you getting there and who are you hurting along the way
1: and is it is it really worth it well, I think at some point we're all going to have to come to a reckoning with what we've done. And some of us are never going to figure it out. And then I believe in this idea that energy never dies, that you come mm-hmm. back to learn the lessons that you didn't learn the first time. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I say that as a marginalized person. I say that and I'm thinking, hmm, who was I in a past life that I've come back in this life and I'm doing this work? And it's mm-hmm. so rewarding. And But I'm also liking the shift that I've seen in the world, I'm super excited about this uh, woman. Her name is Alexandria Cortez. Yes, and she just won like I know. the prime. Is that amazing? Love the prime it. Year- I, I've been sharing her stuff on my social media like crazy because for a 28 year old and this is why I always say the Millennials that's you uh, <laughs> the Millennials are gonna save us and when yes. I see that I'm validated in my feeling that this next generation is gonna look beyond this mind 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 mine how do I get mm-hmm. how do I build my brand how do I get bigger how do I how do I hoard more of the the wealth and privilege and not share it so I just feel like this is the generation that is going to shift all that. And I always say that. And now to have somebody I can point at and say, listen, she didn't take any money from any big um, corporations and she's she's at, you know, she went to school and, and studied policy and she knows what she's talking about and she's not picking fights on Twitter with the current administration she's actually has a clear plan on how to save the world and it, her whole philosophy and what she's talking about aligns perfectly with you know yoga philosophy that mm-hmm. that we're all in this together whether we you know whether we want to admit to it or not and mm-hmm. and we think that children hurting in different parts of the world doesn't affect us but it does right or or inequality that happens in our neighborhood because we don't live in that part of the neighborhood doesn't affect us but it does. Yeah. And uh, and we're just too blind to see that. Totally.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also just I, I hope and I f- I'm hopeful for my generation, <laughs> as you are, that we can start voting for and not just voting, but even talking in. Every little microcosm, including yoga and wellness spaces, uplifting and voting for and giving resources to people who not only are going to do the least harm to the most amount of people, but who genuinely care about people like we have lost all sense of humanity, like in who gets elected and who we vote for and why we vote for people at all like does humanity have anything to do with that like i would love for it for it to be a deciding factor in who you want to be a decision maker i want that person to be
1: someone who wants to do no harm to people exactly Exactly. Who's, whose personal agenda isn't in the forefront, that collectively they're interested in what happens to all of us. Because, it, you know, I, it just, it blows my mind that people don't understand that, that people, like, we're yoga people. So we learned that in the first yoga mm-hmm. class, that we're, we're all in this together and that we're all connected. Um, you know, we're not all the same, which is something I always like to um, reiterate, because sometimes that spiritual bypassing comes up in yoga as well, that we're all the same. We're not all the same. Right. Right. Uh But we all have a connection. There's something that runs through all of us that's universal and understood. And that's our humanity. And that's in and in, in that is where our connection is. But all of our experiences are different. All of our, you know, perspectives on life are different. And that's important to celebrate that, because that gives us a broader understanding of who we are and our humanity. And so... The idea behind the spiritual bypassing, which is often, you know, spoken about in yoga spaces, is this, this, we are all one kind of, um, Mm-hmm. Scenario allows us to disregard things that don't uh, make us feel good, and disregard other people's experiences and saying that okay, well you're overreacting or blah 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 whatever it is that people say. But if you can say that our humanity connects all of us, then when I'm hurting, you're hurting, and you can see that, and you want and you want to do something about it.
0: Yeah, and it should be that way. It, it, I mean, it, it should be that way, right? Like if you're yeah. hurting, I should feel. Something. (laughs) I should feel something. Something. That's I mean, that's the thing. That's what I mean. Like, it blows my mind that there is just such an enormous disconnect in humanity where people make decisions and say things and take action. And I am over here just like, do you the people are people like these are human beings. And like, how can you think (laughs) that there is any type of of hierarchy to what people are worth what they're deserving of like how you're going to treat them it's just like we've got to be (laughs) we've got to be doing better we
1: have just got to be doing better I believe we can do better. And I believe there are people out there who want to do better. Um, And I just wish that the people who are out there looking out for um, all of us could accumulate the wealth as opposed to the people Mm -hmm. who are super selfish and accumulating the wealth for themselves, you know. Well, I took a, a, I took a political science degree when I was in university. I started out in an international relations degree, which was a cross between economics, history, and public policy. And so my first year of that, the economics killed me, which is why I decided to change my degree to political science. And then I could just take a minor in um, public policy, which was what I ended up doing. But um, what was really interesting to me is how, when I was in my economics class, how how, how Wealth is hoarded, and how we've gotten this great disparity between um, rich people and poor people. And um, in an economy, we want to give money to, like the to, to, to. people who don't have it because when you give a working class family or somebody who's in poverty if you give them a dollar chances are they spend a dollar 30 of that so they put that money back out into circulation when you give a rich person a dollar they add it to the pile of money they already have so they don't go out and share it the share it in the same way that people who are struggling share it so i just wish that we could take a lot of that wealth that people are just sitting on buying numerous houses and cars and vacations And let people buy a house and, you know, put their kids through college and, and, you know, you will still be wealthy. You'll still have the, a lot of wealth, but you don't need all that money. You're never going to spend it in your lifetime. Why do you keep hoarding it? And why do you keep taking it? And yeah. and a lot of people who have accumulated wealth don't seem to understand that we all help them accumulate that yeah. wealth. It is us worker bees out here who have paved the roads so that you can drive your car and get to work. It is us worker bees that work in your corporations and work in your industries that help you earn money. It's, it's us worker bees that allow you to live this lifestyle. So right. how hard is it to give some of that wealth back to the people who helped mm-hmm. you earn it? And that's the problem I just have with the world in general. Why are we all just trying to just hoard our wealth and not and not share our experiences, our knowledge and, and our wealth with everybody? It's just, I find it so upsetting that people have such disregard for mm. for people who are struggling and and you know and how we like to demonize and criminalize poor people i just yep. think it's what happened to our humanity and and the thing that drives me the the most or makes me the most upset is when people hide behind religion as an excuse to be cruel
0: mm. hmm. totally well i mean no one builds their empire on their own no. so all the worker bees you're talking about are absolutely there and have helped you or whoever the person is get every dollar and get every privilege and you know whatever it is that's been awarded to them that's how they've gotten it without doubt and then It's exactly what you're saying and what we said earlier that then those people tend to be the very ones who are continuing to perpetuate some kind of violence against the very people that helped them get there. And I think that, you know, the the allocation of resources is is so essential to this conversation because you're so right. And I think it's also like. Do, people don't even trust it. People don't trust to give their resources to poor people, to homeless yep. people, to, you know, whoever it is, because we have fully demonized them. And there's so much yeah. shame and there's yep. blame. Whereas any you could be homeless tomorrow, like anything can totally. happen, like Anything can happen that way. Like the, the demonization of, of homeless people, of addicts, of all sorts of different marginalized groups and people who are just treated as though,
1: you know, they don't n- matter.
0: They don't matter. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's not even just like an allocation of resources. And it's not even just like you can think all you want, like, oh, I'm better than this person because I mm-hmm. haven't fallen into this path. Where is your compassion? Like, where is your compassion? And also, like, have you been in this person's shoes and have you lived their life? You have no idea why they are in the scenario that they are in. And does it
1: matter? No, not really, because they're a person. Help them totally totally it's funny because when i was taking um my economics part of my degree in university we used to use a textbook that um used a big corporation here i'm in canada a big corporation called um the second cup which is a coffee shop along the lines of like starbucks okay and so the founder of that particular industry or that particular company was a homeless drug addict and so he came and spoke at um our university and had said that often people don't want to give money to the homeless because they don't want to contribute to how they became homeless. So if they're, yep. you know, if they're an addict or whatever it is, right, they don't want to give money to these people, which in most cases is not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not for you to, in all cases, it's not for you to judge. And he said to all of us, I think if you, if a homeless person asks you for money, give them that money, even if they are struggling with drug abuse, because he had to hit rock bottom, he had to get all the way to the bottom of his life in order for him to bounce back. So that was his theory Mm -hmm. about giving money to people. Had people not given him money as a homeless person, he wouldn't have been able to actualize who he is now. And now he's this multimillionaire, you know, Mm -hmm. that owns a chain of coffee shops Hmm. and gives back to homeless. Like he works with the homeless here in Canada. So it's really a great full circle story. So, having him having said that to me when i was like 19 years old i stuck that in my brain and when i worked in toronto which had a, a large homeless population, I was broke all the time because if somebody was hungry, I'd say to them, yep. hey, you know, the closest, you know, restaurants right here, If come in with me and I'll buy you, I'll buy you food. Like, yep. you know, if you're hungry, I'll buy you food. If you just want money, I'll just give you money because it's not for me to judge. And you don't know what impact you would have on a person by simply giving them $20, right? Exactly. That could change their life it could change their life and even just the action of doing it like of having yeah. the
0: humanity to be giving in that way could change that person's life could change their perspective and at like if you have more resources if you have the the privilege over anybody of like having a safety net of any source of being stable in any way of having a home to go back to of knowing where your next meal is going to come from then five ten dollars twenty dollars to you give that like you will have that back tomorrow you know what i mean it's just like the 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 spectrum of of privilege is so wide and it becomes such a power play where it's like well what am i gonna do with this twenty dollars like am i gonna give this to this homeless person am i not you know and it's just like that money is not meant to be power play, <laughs> right? Like, you no. know, and it becomes that. And I get so frustrated with that exact same rhetoric. Like, I don't want to give money to homeless people because they're just going to go buy drugs. Like,
1: what? What is who are yeah. you? <laughs> so what if they do? Exactly. And so they need so what, that's what they need to do to survive their life on the street here? If this $20 is going to bring you peace in some kind of way here like do you know what I mean I'm not here to judge anybody's life and I look at here's the way that I've been taught to look at money through my yoga practice as prana right Mm. as an exchange of energy you do this for me therefore I give this to you right like this global kind of exchange and I wish we could see it that way right that we could take this idea that it it, you know it one-ups you it gives you some kind of um uh, power over somebody else because it does, it, it'd be nice if the world could see it as an exchange of energy, right? Yeah. That I gave that $20 to a homeless person and it was an exchange of energy. I felt like I was in a position to help somebody out and I helped them and they were in a position to receive help. And that that's the exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like,
0: I, I mean, I, you've got to just blame capitalism on so many fronts for the feeling of scarcity. You know, this just the feeling of resources being scarce and needing to hold on to everything for yourself and blaming other people for not being able to figure out how to get it the way that you did. And it's so ingrained, the, the this thought pattern.
1: It is. I like the, I'm liking the rise of the, um, democratic socialist. And I know in American Mm. politics, socialism is a bad word. And I think we run off to, you know, (laughs) Stalin and Lenin and all this kind of idea that, 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 um, that's what socialism means. I live in Canada that tends to be uh, a little more socialist than the Americans. We still have a capitalist economy. People are still rich here. People still drive you know, expensive cars and have a lot of stuff. But what it looks like on this side of the border is that everybody has access to health care. Everybody, mm-hmm. um, everybody has access to education. Um, everybody has access to child care. So that's how it looks on this side of the border. And it's, you know, it's certainly not perfect here. And I think often we as Canadians like to toot our own horn. We have we, we have lots of problems in this country too. Um, our population is like a, a minuscule amount of people in to, comparison to how many people live in the United States. I believe the population of the United States is three hundred thirty-eight million people, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the population of Canada, which is around thirty million people. Mm. So. That the state of California holds the entire population of my country. And if we can do it with such a smaller population that we can look out for everyone, right? That we can look out and say, okay, we need to do the right thing by everyone. America could do that too. And yes. I would be amazed to see how you would prosper Yes. if we could get rid of this idea that, you know... Um, <laughs> Here's one Here's one idea that I'm not so fond of. Everybody has to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm-hmm. What if you don't have boots, mm-hmm. right? What yep. if you don't have boots? Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, I get it. I understand that everybody has should have the opportunity to take care of themselves, but you have to level that playing field because not everybody has boots. Yeah. Once everybody has boots, then yes, please pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. But yep. if you don't have boots and you've never had access to boots, how
0: can I blame you for that? Yep. No, 100%. And what you just said about, you know, if, if you can do it, then we can do it is so true. And I've been saying that lately in my own little microcosm. I mean, you know, you know about the lawsuits and most people yeah. who listen to this know about the lawsuits, but on the tail end of that, I, I, or in and in the middle of that really i was going through this huge transition of just sort of like a a big big wake-up call like what do i want nothing to do with and what do i want to continue forward with and that's why i put out this platform this pay what you can platform and i kept saying to myself i am one person with limited funds and if i can find a way at 25 to offer quality content that is captioned, that is on a pay what you can platform, then all of these companies, all of these big organizations and brands with all this endless money, why can't they do that? Why they can't can. they? They can. Yeah.
1: They and that they choose not to.
0: They choose not to and it's just yeah. like and there it is again. I mean it's just that non-stop greed and it's that non-stop cycle and it just it's so disheartening that i that there's so much of that in this yoga space and in this wellness space. So I hope that people who listen to this, you know, I know a lot of other yoga teachers follow this and people who are in these spaces to, you know, to really look at what you're involved in, you know, yeah. look at what you're involved in and 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 really be aware of what the ramifications of that are, not on yourself, but on others. And make decisions from that place, because intention is not everything. The outcome no. of your intention is everything.
1: Exactly. So it's intention. It's always intention versus impact, right? You. What is that saying? What is that old colloquial saying that I've heard my whole life? Uh, the road to hell is, passed and is paved yes. in good intentions, right? Yeah, so I always say yeah. that in my... In my workshops, I always say it's it's your impact. Your intentions can be fantastic, but it's your impact that counts. Yep,
0: 100%. No, I love that. Um, oh, you really inspire me. <laughs> you inspire me just from, like, talking. It's just so nice to talk. I mean, it's just nice to talk to somebody who... Um, really does get it, you know, because honestly, in these spaces, it's it's few and far between. And it it re sparks me when I feel like I'm losing my motivation um, to to talk to people like you, you know, so just just a big thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Dana. I
1: I appreciate that. I, I I like how, um, I like your aha moment. I think it's great when somebody who's as young as you are um, has these realizations, which is always why I have so much hope um, for this millennial generation, the biggest generation so far, bigger than the baby boomers. So I'm very excited to see that impact on the world. And I'm, I'm grateful that you paused um, and everything that's happened to you has given you a, a, a greater perspective on your, you know, on what's going on in the world. and. I would like to actually start to deconstruct this capitalist yoga culture or yoga as a commodity and bring it back to uh, yoga and accessibility because what I see in these spaces now is that we have a a choice. And when I talk about, like, diversity – I talk about, when I talk about diversity. I'm, ta- I'm talking about diversity of age, um, size, skin color, experience, gender. Those are the things I think about when I talk about diversity. I know it can be code for you know people of color, but I like to expand it because there's even diversity within white cultures. So mm-hmm. I like to expand that whole idea that diversity is is like a fact. And I've said this quote a few times and I have to look up the person who originally said the quote and so I can give them proper credit. But diversity is fact and inclusion accessibility is a choice. So that's what, these are the choices that you have to choose to do. Like, am I going to be accessible to as many people as possible? Am I going to, you know, walk the walk? I lately, I've been seeing a lot of classes that are marked as accessible. And then there's, they're really not. And accessibility has become, Mm -hmm. I think, like a buzzword. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you are true to the intention, because your intention is your impact, right? Yep, totally. Oh, I love it. Thank you so, so much. Is there anything else you feel like you want to share? Uh, I can't think of anything right now. This is really exciting. How do yeah. you, how lo- are you loving podcasting? Yeah, I, I do love
0: it. it. It was, it's sort of my, it's like become my little safe haven away from yep. social media where I can say things and people can't leave me comments. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I like. And I love that. I'm like, if you want to listen and you want to digest this, then that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I've yeah. really been loving it. I love, you know, having the online classes and it's been, it's been really enjoyable for me to, um, you know, I see people tag me on their stories, and they bring up their Excel spreadsheets and their budgeting to figure out if they can pay five or six or whatever you know dollars a month to join. And I, I love, you know, it 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 makes me happy. Um, to be able to support people in their own autonomy, like in their own ability to self-govern and make decisions for themselves and um, to prove that it is sustainable because I am able to sustain myself while allowing others to self-govern and name their price and do all these things. And it it's motivated me uh, to keep sharing this message and to keep sharing others who are sharing this message because I know that it's possible. And I I hope that Um, people like you and all of the others who are doing your work and people like me can plant the seeds for this change change. and that, yeah, and that it really will catch on. So thank you for your hard work.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm I'm grateful that people just pick up the torch and run with it. That's really important. Like if something is really bothering you and you're waiting for somebody else to do something about it, that's your cue that it's you, it's you. Like if it's bugging you and you think you can make a change, how small that change might be, then, then do it. And sometimes, you know, my reasons for doing things aren't a hundred percent benevolent. Sometimes I do these things just because they make me feel good. It feels good to help somebody else. And I love that feeling. And when I see somebody struggling, I have the capacity to remember what that struggle is like for myself and Mm -hmm. see myself struggling and say, hey, I can help you. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell me what how you want me to help you. And that's all it takes, right, is to begin to see our own humanity and others and realize what it what would it feel like if this actually happened to me? And how do I stop this from happening to others?
0: Yes, I love it.
1: Okay, awesome. So where can we find you? You can find me online everywhere. I like to spend a lot of time on my socials. So you can find me on Diane Bondi Yoga. And there's two N's and an E in Diane. Um, you can find me at my website, Diane Bondi Yoga. And I do a lot of classes for Yoga International um, and on my own site, uh, Yogastea and for Stars. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Diane.
0: Thank you, Dana. Have a great day. You too. Talk soon. Hi, friends. Dana here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Deep Dive. If you want more radical truth, make sure you subscribe. You can also keep up with me across social media at Dana Falsetti or visit my website, DanaFalsetti.com, to find workshops, speaking engagements, or take an online class. See you next time.